Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. Since the Spanish missionaries arrived in the Bay Area in the 1700s, and through the gold rush and colonization and genocide, indigenous people of the Bay Area have found ways to not only survive, but to resist assimilation. Many indigenous people moved to cities like Oakland decades ago after false promises by the U.S. government, telling them that there'd be jobs and good places to live. Today, it's the children and the grandchildren of Native Americans who left the reservations, who are still carrying on a legacy of self-determination and activism. Today, we're visiting an indigenous market in Oakland that builds on a tradition of native solidarity that's existed in the Bay Area for generations. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. I remember scrolling on my phone on Instagram, and I stopped when I saw this really sleek flyer, and it said Indigenous Red Market. Marisol Medina Cadena is a reporter with KQED. All of these Bay Area performers and artists that I follow were tagged on the flyer, and I was like, okay, like, this is cool. Like, what is this? (laughs) Popular. (laughs) I guess so. What was it like when you went to the indigenous red market? It's on International and 31st next to the Native American Health Center in Fruitvale, Oakland. And by day, if you were driving there, it would just be a gravel parking lot. Mm -hmm. But once a month, on the first Sunday of the month, it's turned into this really cool marketplace. Your your booth is right here? Yeah. Maybe you could show me what you've got going. Okay. There's pop-up tents lining the perimeter, and then there's a stage in the middle. Each market, there's opportunity for folks to come and report on different issues in different indigenous communities. So one event, there was a speaker to talk about the 50th anniversary of Alcatraz. And this month being Native American Heritage Month, we are also trying to send a message about the importance of the census involvement, the importance of education, the importance of, if they can, uh, to also look at citizenship opportunities. So when you walk in from the street, there is a banner that's hanging up on the chain link fence. And it has the four directions, um, and the colors are black, red, yellow, and white. And so from the get-go, you know this is an indigenous-centered space. All right. Welcome to the Red Market here in Oakland, California, on 31st International at the Native American Health Center. (laughs) 
you know, the indigenous red market is another iteration of indigenous solidarity and, and activism. This is a result of that yearning and that we want a regular thing where we can partake in and and it's for us, by us. And sure, other people can come and they can learn and they can celebrate our culture with us. But at the center, it's about Native people coming together, honoring the different identities within Indigenous communities, and saying we're here. There were booths of artists selling their work, doing live art, be it like painting on the spot so you could talk to them about their work. And there were also pop-up food stands, and that's where I met Crystal Wapenbaugh. Also, we're, you know, is representing for indigenous foods is very meaningful to us. And so um, just as a, from a culinary background, I just want people just to experience the taste and the love we have in it. Crystal Wapipa is the chef behind Wapipa Kitchen. She's a Kickapoo tribal member, and she grew up in Oakland. Born and raised. <laughs> a couple years back, she was actually the first Native American chef to ever be on Food Network's show Chopped. Native Americans don't use tortellini goat milk stuff in our food. <laughs> so this is a little bit out of my element, but I'm a fighter and I'm determined and I do go after my goals. And so she proudly has that on the banner that you folks can see when they're lining up to, to try her food. Oh yeah, so our today's menu is a kickapoo chili and it's something um, out of Oklahoma that is um, very inspired by my grandmother actually and all the Kickapoo ladies that are from Mexico all the way up to Oklahoma to Kansas to Michigan. So her family is originally from Oklahoma and so in the 1950s um, her family moved to Oakland, California shortly after the Indian Relocation Act was passed. That is a lesser known law but it really shaped Bay Area life for a lot of Native Americans. It was a voluntary program, but the government at this time was trying to disassemble reservations. The thinking was, let's move Native Americans into urban cities, have them assimilate, and then we don't need tribal governments. We can sell those tribal lands. There was a lot of effort put into encouraging Native Americans to relocate to cities like Oakland, San Francisco, L.A., Detroit, Chicago. The new arrival who is seeking employment or the recent graduate from training discusses the kind of job he wants with an employment counselor of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. The Bureau of Indian Affairs promised families one-way tickets to different cities of their choice. There were posters that were circulating that promised good jobs, happy homes, essentially promising a very middle-class life. The streets that once bewildered him are no longer confusing. He has begun to feel at home upon them. And for a lot of Native Americans living on reservations, this, this seemed attractive, you know? There wasn't running water for many tribes. Um, there was food scarcity. So a lot of people 
moving to these cities had high hopes. But what happened is often families would arrive in a city, have no social network, and be put into run-down public housing. And in a lot of cities, you know, housing was, was scarce for poor people. So you're putting Native Americans up against other ethnic communities who are also fighting for basic housing and jobs and basic rights. Which in Oakland, around the time that Crystal's family moved here, was an ongoing battle for a lot, especially the black community here. Exactly. We want power to determine the destiny of our black community. Full employment for our people. Number three, we want housing fit, decent housing fit for shelter of human beings. Number four, we want all black men to be exempt from military service. Number five. Do you know how Crystal's family took to their new life in Oakland and that, like, almost forced assimilation? Well, Crystal says her family got really active in the local American Indian movement. They were hanging out at the intertribal friendship house, and that was a space where a lot of Native American members who were settled in Oakland were coming together and were forming solidarity and becoming politically active about the oppression they were facing in urban cities. And so her family didn't lose their culture. They didn't lose their traditions. They, they held on to their recipes. it's the children and the grandchildren of Native Americans who left the reservations, who occupied Alcatraz, who are still carrying on a legacy of self-determination and activism. And you see that playing out here at the Indigenous Red Market. And so when we do food booths, this is the one I like doing because one, it represents of who I am, where I'm from, and as me being an indigenous chef, we're from here in Oakland, and um, I just love it. Just in the representation of the vendors and the artists and the performers, it's inclusive of indigenous peoples, not just from the U.S., but it's inclusive of indigenous peoples from Latin America and from the Pacific Islands. So on one corner of the market, you could buy Navajo fry bread tacos. On the other side of the market, you can find sometimes a vendor selling otai, which is a Tongan juice. It's really about promoting solidarity and connection among indigenous peoples, regardless of what tribe, what pueblo, what group or country, you know, their ancestors come from. The indigenous red market has been operating for over a year now. And while it's existed in Oakland, it's attracted Native people from elsewhere, too. It's not just welcoming to Bay Area people. The organizer, Noah Gaia, told me that it's like really calling out people from all across California, even outside of California, actually. We had a couple people drive from Arizona to see one of uh, the performers, uh, Shute Scott. He's a popular performer, and this group of young ladies drove from Arizona to see him. And they were dancing out here in the gravel with um, no shoes on. It was a sight to see, but... The first thing I thought when I, when I heard about the market being in Oakland, I was like, that makes sense because Oakland is a city that's traditionally... The powerful has made decisions 
on behalf of the people. And then the people have fought to find their community to basically be able to live without the help of the powerful, more or less. I think it's really telling of the legacy of Oakland, right? Oakland is home to many social movements. And in the 60s, we saw a lot of Native Americans mobilizing for dignity and rights. And so their descendants, you know, generations later are still here and they're still mobilizing and still being active and still trying to remind people that Native people are here. And today, Fruitvale is home to many indigenous peoples from Guatemala. The Mom Maya community has a huge presence in Fruitvale. This space is already becoming inclusive of all indigenous peoples. And so it, it makes sense that an event would happen here where there's already all of this cultural collaboration and synthesis happening. Marisol said people told her the indigenous red market is especially important because it proves that Native people are here, and not in the stereotypical ways that a lot of people carry in their minds, like in costume and regalia. But the market is a showcase of everyday artists, chefs, and Native people in Oakland. There's that narrative, that one, Native Americans don't exist. Or two, there's the second narrative that their culture is one of the past. And a lot of Native artists, especially ones who sell at this market, their art says otherwise. Their art says, we're here, we're contemporary, we're still creating culture, we're leaning on the tradition of our elders and our ancestors, but we're creating a new one too. You can go check out the market for yourself. It happens the first Sunday of every month on International Boulevard in Oakland's Fruitvale neighborhood. We've got a link in our show notes with more information. You can also follow the market on Instagram and see the same pictures that drew Marisol there. They are at Indigenous Red Market. And if you go, let us know by tweeting a picture at us. We are at the Bay KQED. We'll give you a retweet for sure. Marisol Medina Cadena is a reporter for KQED. This episode was produced by Erica Cruz Guevara and editor Alan Montecilio. KQED's leadership team and some of our biggest supporters on this show include Julie Kane, Ethan Lindsay, Vinnie Tong, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Katayama. That is it for the Bay. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.